Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, thank you for downloading this week's podcast of the Best of the Rep Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, superstar photographer Rankin has all the details on his upcoming show on Sky Arts, Rankin's 2020, and how you can get involved by posting your snaps on Instagram. Journalist and author Bryony Gordon, who I adore, delves into her incredible addiction-tackling memoir, Glorious Rock Bottom. The fantastic Connie Hook talks about her second eco-conscious children's novel, Cookie, and the most annoying girl in the world. And Snow Patrol's very own Gary Lightbody shares details of their brand new LP The Fireside Sessions. All of that and more still to come. Now Dapper Dave who's our first guest? For our next guest Lockdown has made the songs rain down and luckily for us they're being lumped together in the shape of the brilliant new EP The Fireside Sessions. So please welcome a man that's brought a smile to thousands with his Saturday songwrite sessions. It's Snow Patrol Simply Superb. Gary Lightbody Good morning Gary Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. How's it going, Chris? Very well, Gary. A, I love you. B, I love you. C, I love you. All the way to Z. Who do you love this morning? Who do I love this morning? Yeah, who do you um, love? I, I, I love being on your show this morning. <laughs> I always love being on your show. I, um, it's the funnest show on radio. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much. Um, so what's going on with the EP? Tell us, for people who don't know, tell us the beginning, the middle, and now the end, or the culmination of what we're going to play uh, some, some songs from today. Um, well, during lockdown, I, I just thought it'd be fun to go on to Instagram Live and write some, write some songs with, with fans, with anybody that was on there that wanted to give me some lyrics and throw me some chords. Uh, and over 11 weeks, we wrote, I didn't know that we'd write any songs, to be honest, but over 11 weeks, we wrote 12 songs. And um, it was really loads of fun and uh, the you know 90% of the lyrics were from were from fans who the fans collectively that were on that those sessions are now known as the Saturday songwriters yeah um and uh, they just they're amazing they are amazing you know it's uh, it's been a lot a lot of fun most of the the lyrics are theirs and the inspiration for the songs and the meaning behind the songs are theirs so um you know it was a it was a delight. It was a joy. We're getting lots of text from people who were involved in this, Gary. Um, lots of listeners who, oh, who, who engage with you. And they, they're saying it really sort of helped them. It, they really learned something about themselves. It helped them get through the sense of community. It was important. Uh, the sense that uh, they may be significant or had a chance to be significant as far as you and your genius is concerned. What did you learn from it? Well, I'd never... Re- I, I mean, I'd loads of love to everybody that was involved um, for uh, that are listening um, and... I mean, I learned it so much. I actually learned a method from writing songs that I never knew existed because um, I was writing the lyrics, down, as many lyrics as I could write down in like 25 minutes. And I was just writing it down on a page. I would write the lyrics down. I would look back up. I would write the first thing that I saw down. Each one came in. I would try to write as many as possible down. And um, I, I remember one time somebody went, um, what the hell is this? 
And I thought, initially I thought this was a lyric, but I'm pretty sure it was somebody that <laughs> thought that they were tuning in to me playing a live gig and they were wondering why I was writing everybody's comments down. <laughs> so it must have been quite confusing to some people. Did you get a sense at all maybe of how Elton John uh, works, you know, with regards to Bernie Taupin providing all his lyrics to him? Well, that's a good, that's a very good point, you know, because I, I, you know, have written all the, you know, like all the lyrics to Snow Patrol songs over the years. So I've never not, this is the first Snow Patrol record where I haven't written the lyrics. So it's, um, it is, you know, there's a, a kind of a room, you know, you gotta, if you've been doing something for 25 years, like I have, you've got to take your ego, your ego, first of all, just got to get right out of there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and sort of surrender to the, surrendered to what's happening and that's that's brilliant but like in terms of like somebody else writing lyrics it's quite liberating to be honest because they're say. the hardest bit they're and, the hardest thing to do and you think and, uh, you know some 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 songs took me five years to finish you know so <laughs> um i was these ones were getting finished in you know 90 minutes or so and uh and it's it's all because um the lyrics were coming in from uh some great lyrics were coming in from lots of different people okay and will it change the way you write in the future do you think yeah, maybe you know, maybe you know, maybe those some of those songs that I've been writing in that style will will uh, will appear on records here and there. But um, I uh, I tend to uh, revert back to the old style of writing uh, um, pretty quickly. Um, just uh, I, I, you know, that's probably my go-to. I've been doing it for too long, Chris. I'm stuck in my ways. <laughs> uh, Gal, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, how is how is California? How are you doing over there with the you know what? What's going on? It's 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 oh, what can I say? It's it's um, bizarre kind of at the moment, I suppose. Uh, there's a lot of cases. You know, we locked down. I think the cases were about seven hundred. Um, the cases are between six and ten thousand at the moment each day. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. But I'm just, uh, I'm staying indoors mostly and writing songs. That's right. how I'm dealing with it. It's funny talking to you because I've just figured out there. So you were born in 78, were you? Born in 76. Sorry, 76. Sorry, I'm hanging. Sorry, I apologise. Oh, that's basic maths there. Yeah. Not doing very well in my head. But 76, it's funny because you are 10 years younger than me, but I always feel like you're 10 years wiser than me. Um, so it's, uh, that's, <laughs> I always <laughs> have. A, no, I'm not joking, Gary. I'm not, not 10 years more experience, but 10 years definitely wiser. You've done more with your experience. I've had more experience, but you've done more with yours, I figure. Um, God, what about this? Dear God, um, please let the first gig that ever happens of any um, substance um, after after we could, or when we can have gigs again, to be you 2 and Snow Patrol, maybe in Ireland. What, how good would that be? Make that call, Gary. You can, you've got his number. I know you've got his number. Make that call. <laughs> how cool would that I be? Would, um, I would. Uh, I would absolutely love that. I can't wait to get playing again. Yeah, I really can't. It's, you know, hopefully next year. Gary, pleasure to talk to you as always. Uh, we're always here for you. You know where we are. Um, don't be a stranger. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Cheers, everybody. Thanks. Top man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. It's already one of the most memorable years of all time and we're barely halfway through. Making sure it's fully documented, our next guest is asking for your stunning snaps for his new Sky Original Series rankings 2020 on Sky Arts. It's rare to find someone with such lens flair. So please strike a pose for the one and only Rankin. Good morning. Good morning, Rankin. 
That's the best intro I think I've ever had. Thank you. Good morning, Chris. That's what we do. And um, the show's rubbish, but the intros are amazing. That it's, was incredible. Yeah, he's pretty good dapper day. <laughs> can he come and do that for me every day? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I know where you live, so I can tell him. And I'll be <laughs> you do. Um, you do know where I live. What a wonderful thing to be a, a you know a top flight photographer and have this sort of classic you know studio at home situation going on. Tell us about the moment in your life, Rankin, that that, that you achieved that because that is a that is a pretty tall oh. mountain. Yeah, I, it's funny. It's one of those things I always wanted. I wanted to be able to live above the studio. And I went through various partners who thought I was crazy. And then I found one that agreed. And and then, um, yeah, I got just about enough money to buy a building and built it. And it, I, I, it's been great in lockdown because I've been able to shoot every day and do what I need to do. But um yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. It's in Kentish Town. I know, with well, this snowstorm. I, I think it's the coolest pit part of London. I love well, it's Kentish getting, Town. It's, it's always been cool. It's getting cooler. It's no small studio. I once drove my car in there for him to shoot, didn't I? You did. And you had a tennis racket in the back, which oh, made no. me laugh. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Um, so, so Tracy Emin, she's just sold her studio because um, that was on the market. That was in all the papers. And um, that's that. So that was an old, what was it? An old? I think she was in old... Fournier Street, wasn't she? Next to Gilbert and George. Yeah. No, no. She Well, yeah, but she sold her. She, again, she bought a building when you could buy buildings, you know, 20 years ago. You could do it. You can't really oh, do right. it now. And isn't there a studio? Yeah. There's a studio currently for sale in Kentish Town, you know, as an apartment with a work studio that's not yours is it yours isn't for sale no 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 i i I nearly got there in the first few weeks of lockdown but no we've uh we've come through that part and um come out the other side so no i don't think i would ever sell it i love it yeah of course you do well good for you pal uh right what's going on what's the initiative what you up to what's going on with this is a show we've never done this before we're talking about a tv show on sky that's not even been made yet this is good fun <laughs> well, it's an it's an open call. That's what we're doing at the moment because the show's coming out in September. But what we're trying to do is get content for it. So, the the thing is, it's 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 literally for everyone. We don't want this just to be for photographers or even amateur photographers. We want everyone. Everyone's got a camera in their pocket, and we want them to get out there and start taking pictures. Um, and it's really easy to enter. You just put your work up on um, your Instagram account with the hashtag twenty twenty ranking and uh, whichever category you want to enter it in and, and you're, you've entered effectively and then in September we're going to do six shows where we're going to go through each of the categories and we're going to ex- uh, decide who we want to uh, put forward for the book and we're going to put a book out at the end of November right, so these end of October sorry so, so these photographs can be taken today they can be taken tomorrow they can all have already been taken <laughs> Yes, that's the, that is the brilliant bit. If you've taken it, just go and edit it on your Instagram account and put hashtag 2020 ranking and you've entered effectively. And what's really amazing is it's a digital exhibition. So if you go on to that hashtag now and you look at it, there's already been about 850 entrants already. All right. Now, my bro-in-law, one of them, one of the many, <laughs> so many nowadays, which is all good fun. He's a, he's a photographer and he works for F1. So he's currently working for Racing Point. He used to work for Williams. And if he takes a photo, one of, one of our family gets gets get together on a on a phone. If he borrows somebody's yeah. phone or his phone, it's so much better than if somebody else takes it. How is that? What's what's the difference? 
Uh, it's probably practice and a really good eye. You know, if you if if you use a camera every day, you just get better at it and better and better at it. So that's why I always encourage people, especially young photographers, to keep shooting because the the experience of shooting and taking and directing and using it all all the time is what really improves you. But yeah, a good eye is is essential to be a professional. Is it was there is that a eureka moment for a photographer where something suddenly forgive the pun oh, clicks? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, even when I first started, when I was a kid, I remember picking up a camera for the first time, looking through it. And I remember the first great picture I took, which was, you know, in Welling Garden City uh, uh, at the lakes there uh, by the swimming pool. And I, I looked through the lens and I went, this is a good picture. And then I took it back, got really excited about developing the film and looked at the contact sheet and uh, did a print. And I was like, I'm a photographer. I can take pictures. Good for you. Definitely. And was it ever going to be anything else after that moment, or was it yours going to be a snapper? No, it was. That was it for me. I was. I was hooked, and it really. It, I'm the biggest fanboy of photography. I love photography. Still. I love looking at other photographers. Yeah, I'm very. I mean, I think when you find something like that, you, you you're lucky. You know, like I'm sure it's the same with you with radio. It's like once you've got it, you're you, you're hooked. And and my mum always said, if you if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So, so I feel true. like I've never worked a day. Wise mum. All right. Well, Rankin, great to talk to you. I haven't seen you for ages, but seen lots of your work. Uh, crack right on, my friend. Once again, what what do people um, do in twelve words? What do they do? Come on. Uh, Take a picture yeah. in a category and, and put it on your Instagram, hashtag 2020ranking. Okay, and go to 2020ranking.com uh, to find out more. Yeah. Thank you, my and, friend. And go on. Thank you, Chris. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. She's the happily married seasoned journalist and best-selling author we all know and love, but it wasn't always this rosy. Her latest book, Glorious Rock Bottom, is out now, so please welcome a lady that knows exactly how a tipple can become a trickle that quickly turns into a flood. It's the brilliance of Bryony Gordon! <laughs> Sobriety Gordon, we should call that. Good morning, Bryony. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Very well. You are very quickly, uh, very quietly, and very beautifully turning into a guru, Bryony Gordon. I don't know about that. I'm just being honest about my... Um... My failures and flaws. Yeah, but you've always been honest about... Well, not always, but you've been honest about them for a few years now. But it, it's different. Uh, the way you talk about things, the way you write about things, there's a lot more sensitivity, there's a lot more empathy there, and you do. You are imparting great wisdom, whether you know it or not. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope to help... Like my, th my thing is, is I write about all the things that have made myself... made me feel bad about myself in the hope of making other people feel good about themselves. Like... We all live so much in our own heads. And I wanted to write this book, which is about my stuff with alcoholism and getting sober, because um, I, I, it's such a common affliction. Mm -hmm. It's an illness that affects so many people. Like there might be someone right now listening who wishes last night they had, they had not, you know, that they hadn't got drunk again. They hadn't done it. And that was me. And I didn't think I could be an alcoholic. I was successful. I had a, you know, a husband, a child, a bugaboo. Uh, I was like, how can I have a problem with drink? And, and, and yeah, I, I did. And um, I thought I was the worst mother in the world. Like I was like blackout drinking while my child was asleep upstairs. And I got into treatment and I, and I, you know, went into the 12-step program and I realized I wasn't the worst mum in the world. I was one of many. And we only, um, you know, we only get better from these things by talking about them, right? Yeah. And, you know, you know, Skid Row can, can, it can be a very useful tool as long as you accept it, as long as you, uh, you own it, you know, you own the shame. Uh, you know, it is a chapter in your life that you've written a book about now. Um, I love some of the the titles, um, you know, Never Again. Tell us about Never Again. 
So people keep asking me, so I'll be three years sober um, this month. And people often, thank you, people often ask me, what uh, what, what was it that decide, made you decide to stop drinking? And I was like, I decided to stop drinking the moment I started, right? That my, my every day was a never again. I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again, again, again. And then at, by 4 p.m. it was like, I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to have a drink. And the never agains were sort of like made up the millions of moments that led to this one final hopefully final because you know sobriety is never a done thing um moment three years ago where I had this you know if we'd been speaking this time three years ago I was in my darkest period mm. you know I had there had been an assault I had been I'd gone missing for a couple of days in drinking and I was like if I don't stop drinking if I don't get help for this I'm gonna die I'm gonna die either by choking on my own vomit or choosing to kill myself or by continuing to live in this sort of groundhog day miserable existence and you know alcoholism chris will kill more people than coronavirus this year Mm -hmm. yeah and it's something we need to talk about now i know there'd be plenty of people listening right now who could enjoy a tipple or two with their dinner at night and this isn't for them do you know what i mean like life is too short right life is too short if you can enjoy one or two drinks enjoy them this is for the people listening who can't have one or two do you know what I mean? One yeah. or two always leads to six or seven or eight or nine or ten in my case. Uh, and alcohol is a depressant which masquerades so well as a relaxant. It's like an Oscar-winning actor. And it and it it you know it gets us in. And I, you know, I used it to self-medicate for all sorts of other mental health issues. So it's also a sort of double whammy of a mental illness, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I just I kind of hope, I don't know, like I want this book, I want people to read it and know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, which is such a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, right? Yes, it's shame, it's pain, it's uh, it's masochistic, and it's because you feel in a shame, in a trauma, and because, you know, if you drink too much or you're an alcoholic, it is, a, you know, I've, I've been around them, I've, you know, one has one's own suspicions, and it's a, it becomes miserable because it's not fun, and you're on the way to the pub or you're on your way to dinner, and you don't feel like you, there's no, there isn't that sort of inner uh, zest of, of uh, fizz of excitement, and that's not great, and then you, you know, you, know, you you suffer the consequences of it and you begin to go one way or another so what's the difference between between the, you know the phoenix and the flames i guess so i always thought i was like i can't be an alcoholic i'm that i thought there was a massive difference between being a pub a problem drinker yeah. and an alcoholic yeah. i was like i run i run marathons i can't be an alcoholic mm-hmm. do you know what i mean i i i have a career um I think at the end of it, it was like my life had become unmanageable. Like I thought I controlled my drinking because I had all these rules that proved to myself that I wasn't an alcoholic. So I only drank after 7 p.m. You know, I didn't drink in the morning unless I'd been on the, you know, out from the night before. And um, in the end, I realized that I was thinking about drinking all day. So it didn't matter that I didn't drink all day. All right. So it's like discovering you've learned an entire language wrong. Uh, Just tell us briefly about that before you go. Okay, so I genuinely, when I got sober, I was like, I can't believe there's this world out here where people, people, you know, you can have, you can have a, you can go to the supermarket and you can eat healthy meals and people go and do exercise and it was, it was like a normal a bridge they call it in 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 12 step treat uh, uh, 12 step meetings a bridge to normal living and it was like i just had no idea how to live cope with life at all yeah. <laughs> um it was like i'd been taught the wrong language and now i'm slow, like i'm nearly 3 
years sober and I'm literally like a three-year-old, Chris. You sound like, like you, you, you see, you're so chir- <laughs> I mean, you're chirpy anyway, but you're even more so this morning. Bryony, lovely to talk to you. Please come and see us as soon as you can, when you can. I'd love to. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Bryony Gordon, Glorious Rock Bottom, is out now. The Sunday Times best-selling author... Book number five. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. We've heard from three cream-of-the-crop guests already, but there's still so much more goodness to come. On the way, film critic James King waxes lyrical about the internet's boyfriend, Keanu Reeves, along with plenty of life tips in his brand-new book, Be More Keanu. The brains and lungs behind the brilliant breath pod, Stuart Sanderman, tells us how to breathe more effectively. And the utterly delightful Deacon Angel, Strawbridge, give us the lowdown on their latest Channel 4 series, Escape to the Chateau, Make Do and Mend. All of that and more still to come. Let's get right back now to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? She's a record-breaking TV presenter, top YouTuber and marvellous mum who also happens to be a brilliant author and illustrator. Her latest kids book, Cookie, and the most annoying girl in the world is out tomorrow. So please welcome (laughs) Connie, the least annoying girl in the world. It's Connie Huck. Hi, Connie. Hello. (laughs) So for Cookie see for Cookie see Connie on a bad day, for Connie see Cookie on a good day. Would that be does that make any sense at all? (laughs) I think so, more or less. if you agree that I'm the uh, least annoying girl in the world, uh, it's it's a matter of opinion, I guess. Um, Hello, Chris. How are you? (laughs) Very well, very well, Connie. Lovely to talk to you again. Well done. Congratulations. Book number two. Was this already (laughs) was this locked and loaded and ready to go anyway, or did you have to write it on the hoof after the first one was such a smash hit? Um, this was locked and loaded there's three that are locked and loaded Ooh, and ready like to go that. very consi- and then that's very I'm you hoof it. <laughs> that's very that's very you that's very organized right what does she get up to now not all of it just a bit of it just wet our appetite please okay i'll wet your appetite um cookies whole class and school are all into sort of being eco-friendly and saving the planet uh there's this kid the most annoying girl in the world called Susie, and everything is totally plastic about her she doesn't quite get the concept of saving the planet (laughs) and there's a new teacher in town who's a real stickler uh and they am i saying too much i never know how much is no no you can't i I don't think you can say too much okay good uh cookie ends up getting these gig tickets to this really cool pop star that everyone loves apart from cookie so she kind of sees a rise in her popularity and it's sort of navigating her friendships ending up in the wrong crowd that kind of thing plus this whole eco theme plus there's a bit of a camping trip 
forest school thing going on as well. So, yeah, there's lots in the mix, basically. Oh, I love it. And, you know, obviously there's loads of messages in there, but you don't want to become too yeah. preachy, do you? So, so no. when you're writing the stories, do you think, right, here's a, here's a load of good stuff to get across. Do you start with that or do you start with the fun and the adventure and you weave the morals in? Which way round do you go? Yeah, I start with the fun and the adventure. So I know the sort of top headlines. Mm. I know that, you know, Cookie's into saving the planet and people might think she's a bit square. Susie's a bit into Instagram and all this other stuff. And then I get the plot. And then because Cookie's head, she's like, she sees the absurd in everyday life. So her mind goes off on tangents the whole time and she's kind of um, got these chaotic thoughts all in comic strips. Then all of those can sort of add in sort of all the educational elements, as it were. Um, and so it's kind of handy because I write the story and then I go through it doing the sort of comic strips and the comedy and the information the infotainment, uh, essentially. So because I always think that if you start with the educational bit, it gets too worthy. Yeah, I agree. So that's and and everything is sort of educational, isn't it? You could be chatting about anything and there's a reason why it happens or there's science behind it. Or so everything you do can sort of have a deeper meaning to it, man. So that's, yeah, the way I do it, <laughs> I if you it. see what I mean. Well, you see, but your book three is ready to go as well, but surely you're going to have to change that because, you know, this is about the planet that, you know, that was very on message about six months ago. Mm. COVID-19 uh, now, obviously, is, is the big headline of the day. Uh, mm. is, is that in book three? Was it ever in book three? Was it on your horizon then? I mean, it's not currently in book three, but what is in book three is all to do with coding. My kids are really into coding. Oh, I see. And it's sort of problem, problem 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 solving and code cracking and stuff so it's kind of more techie um but you know what with lockdown that's what's really got my kids so when i started writing it they weren't really into coding at all uh and so i was like i don't really understand all this stuff um because obviously we didn't have it when we were growing up it's like 10 print chris evans 20 go to 10 30 run and then you go i've programmed a computer wouldn't you it's like all BBC well, well that was basic. pretty impressive as far as i could hear anyway yeah, exactly wait till you see what they're doing now i mean it will blow your mind there's all this sort of really complicated stuff i don't understand it so actually i was thinking now when i go back through the second draft of the book they can sort of help me to check whether i've got all the terminology right with all this coding stuff it's really weird I'm, are your boys into it at all? Yeah, they are. Well, no, actually, Noah is. Eli isn't so much. Eli does it, so he he does it anyway. Mm. That's the point, isn't it? You know, even if you're not into it, they do it, and if you're really into yeah, it, then they, they get lost yeah, in it. Um, absolutely right. It's a new modern thing. I feel so old-fashioned having this conversation. It reminds me of when like, I was young and my parents would say something like, set the video recorder, and I'd be like, Ugh, you yeah. can't even set a video Don't, don't say old-fashioned. Just, <laughs> just call things vintage and there'll be less resistance. Yeah, retro. Right. Yes, retro, nice. vintage. Yeah, it's not old fashioned. Just, just, just Absolutely. get rid of the world. Mm. How many kids do you know? Oh. How many, how many boys read your books as opposed to girls? Do you think? Well, I, you know what? I'm quite happy because weirdly, Cookie is quite a tomboy, right. and part of the reason that I wrote this book was not only did I want to sort of, you know, get sort of stealth education, stealth woke into a funny uh, romp, but I also thought I want a main character that appeals to boys you know girls will read about harry potter boys will read about harry potter but jk rowling felt the need not to write joanne in case it sort of put boys off and actually i've had quite a lot of feedback from boys because cookie is she's very generic she's always in trousers you know she's got mid-length hair she almost i mean some people initially thought cookie was a boy that's 
you know, an odd thing that I never thought of um, before they read the book. So I think it does appeal to, to you know, it appeals to all. Um, I, I should also mention, actually, I've got another book coming out, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about because it's modern day fairy tales. So it's taking all the traditional fairy tales and then putting a modern twist on them, like, I don't know, Me Too or Refugee Crisis or whatever. But it's a funny, funny stories if you just want a funny story. But if you want a little extra, it gives a good springboard to discuss stuff with your kids. Yeah. And um, uh, the publishers have just told me that one of the stories, Trumple Stilts, skin which is all about a sort of orange power hungry greedy money obsessed man but it's also like Rumpelstiltskin as well uh we're gonna bring that out as a sort of standalone book around the u.s election which is quite exciting so i just heard that so i had to okay. throw that are in. you going to change to Rumpelstiltskin in that case yeah that's exactly it Rumpelstiltskin perfect yeah right. you're amazing <laughs> you're force for good as always connie and i gotta say the reason oh, I asked the, the boy question is because mm. i because i read the books because it's part of the research and i just loved it and i used to love beryl the pearl oh. as a kid as well as dennis the menace so but all boys yeah. get out there and get a bit of cookie into your life thank you connie thank you you're very welcome connie hooks Cookie and the Most Annoying Girl in the World is out now. And some amazing reviews online, mostly from eight-year-olds, which is exactly uh, who you'd want them to be from. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Who are we talking to now? Dave. From breathing life back into an old drinks trolley to boho styling, all via video call, our next guest can do it all. Episode two of the new series, Escape to the Chateau, Make Do and Mend, is on Channel 4 tonight. So please welcome a couple that make the Obamas look like underachievers. It's Restoration Whirlwinds, Dick and Angel Strawberry. Live from the Loire Valley. Good morning. Good morning, Dick. Good morning, Angel. Wow, that was an introduction. Thank you. Wow. So, make do and mend. Who's doing the most making do and who's doing the most mending on the show? I've got to say that the whole concept is we get other people to do a lot of it, which I think is a great way to work. Mm. Um, What we're doing is we're sort of answering emails, helping people with their their problems, and we spend a lot of time talking and we demonstrate and we show and we have some of our own projects, but mostly we make the people who have contacted us do the work. All right, so as Keanu Reeves says there, wonder is wisdom. Wisdom comes from wonder. You know, the more you wonder and ask why and are standing by things, the wiser you become. But of course, no lesson is ever better learned than if you do it yourself. So you can, you can, you can, you know, you can talk the talk, but you do have to walk the walk. So do you get involved at any point, Angel? Yeah, we absolutely do. So in this program, we've got a lovely family. It's a 13 year old um, young lady called Iola. Um, and when we did the um, Kwame chair and with her mum, I did it with her. When we did the drink trolley for Rachel in this show, I did it with her. I was her um, drink trolley partner. Doing it with her means that we get an extra. Extra drinks trolley in the house yeah. full of drinks trolley. Cool. We've got an extra macrame chair in a house full of macrame chairs. Okay. If there was a fire, and hopefully that will never happen at the chateau, um, which would you take out first? Which would you rescue first? Other other than each other and uh, everybody that has their uh, flesh and bones, would it be the macrame chair or the drinks trolley? Oh, um, uh, oh, neither. oh, gosh. <laughs> I probably pick up my computer, it's more useful. <laughs> I'll take the drinks, Jolly. Go and have a drink. Okay, now this boho style bedroom for thirteen-year-old girl. I love boho. Boho is where it's at for me. Um, how did that? Uh, how did that turn out? 
Oh, it was incredible. It's the whole family. So, I mean, I took over, you know, the pretties, um, but Dick got involved. This is Iola. She was 13. She kept her bedroom tidy for six months before the show so the entire family could make over um, her bedroom. But Dick did all of the all of the palettes. She was into sustainability, which is incredible for a 13-year-old, you know, young lady. Well, she was into sustainability, but she had to have the look. So um, I was working with, uh, with her dad and her brother, Paul and Farron, and we were actually making sure that we were um, giving her what she wanted out of palettes. So it was an interesting way forward. But in the end, you know, Angela had a tear in her eye most of the time because this is Dorothy, our little one, in sort of uh, five or six years' time. <laughs> it's funny, though, isn't it? Cause there's, a, there's a very fine line between shabby chic and just tat. So how do you make sure you don't cross that, especially when palettes are involved? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's something that I'm always aware of. But actually, when I got the mood board um, for Myola, I was just shocked. She was, she had the elegance. Um, because I agree, I don't even really like the word shabby chic. It kind of brings, brings me, you know, out in hives. Um, but she did it really, really well. And together, I think we made a good job of it. If you, you know, from a sort of French point of view, from, you know, what's around when you're in France, what's the sort of most, what's the most useful upcycling thing would it be a would it be a sort of french oak barrel would it be you know some giant sort of methuselahs of bordeaux empty methuselahs of bordeaux what, what's most prevalent and most useful in the end we have lots of big sort of uh, like charity shops and sort of uh, junk shops and it's the furniture you have to say well because obviously the chef is quite big so we get we go for bigger bits of furniture most people don't want but some of the furniture it is so well made it's 100 years old to start with and it's made of really good wood the joints are great but nobody wants the old fashioned looking stuff yeah. looking stuff and it is quality and it's that quality which i think is you just can't find easily it says here and i don't know this to be to be true so i'll ask you uh, you are in this series going to tackle your own dream projects ending with a big reveal da, da, da. right what can you tell us about that <laughs> um i actually um i didn't have a potting shed in my walled garden can you believe it <laughs> so I end up with a, a potting shed and um, to be fair I was in it this morning already I've already been out there doing some work and it's lovely and um, so that, that, that for me was quite special alright is that the big reveal oh when you <laughs> see it it's, it's actually huge yeah. when I say potting shed it's actually um, a stone building actually Chris I don't want to give mine away too much because I haven't started mine on the show yet but yeah. mine is not so much a, a reveal but an, um, an event like it love it love it love it love it okay how is it under <laughs> lockdown in the chateau tell us about that it's, it's interesting because um, for the whole year we've, we've cancelled everything because obviously we can't put uh, the family at risk or other people at risk. So it's been very different. Um, but having, having said that, we know we're quite lucky in our environment for, for lockdown. The children have been off school for a long time and we spent a lot of time in the garden and we've yeah, well, we've been, you know, um, in lockdown since March and all of the events, they didn't get cancelled all at once. We've done them in stages. Um, but quite recently, we sort of made the decision, you know what, we're nearly getting to the end of our wedding season anyway. It doesn't, you know, um, and, and nothing is getting better. So um, we made that we made that decision. And we've spent a lot of time in the garden and as a family. And, you know, um, for, for, for us sort of personally, I, I guess that's been sort of um, this little gift, as it were. And, uh, you know, for me- Many people, it's been, well, for almost everyone, I would imagine, um, the last few months has been a time of reflection, enforced uh, voluntary or, or otherwise. You know, you're five years into your to your collective dream in France, uh, the Chateau. Have you had any thoughts that you may have not had before with regards to the past, present and maybe the future? Oh, good question. It's, it's, it's interesting because because we had time for the first time since we've been here, we've, we've been writing about our first year at the Chateau and we've been putting our thoughts down and our memories and where 
where we've how where we've come from and where we've arrived at. We've thought about it for the first time, and uh, you know it's interesting because we don't quite remember everything exactly the way it was, but we we just suddenly realise how much we've put into the last five years of our life and how much the children have grown and how special it has been. So yeah, we've been thinking about that a lot, and um, you know we're lucky. We're, we we do know that. You two are awesome. You're amazing. Anything else you'd like to say before we bid you farewell? Eight o'clock tonight. Watch it. Jam <laughs> four. Got it. Escape to the <laughs> Chateau. You're Lovely very you're, great. you're always welcome. Um, Escape to the Chateau, live from their Chateau there uh, with the Make Do and Men's special tonight, 8pm Channel 4. That is Dick and Angel Strawbridge. Of course it is. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest has been on a most excellent adventure, delving deep into the Matrix, all to improve our lives via the mythical beast that is Keanu Reeves. His new book, What Would Keanu Do?, is out today, so please welcome a man that never lets the bus drop below 50 miles an hour. It's the ace author, James King! This is a fantastic book, and I didn't really know about the zen of Keanu. Uh, Be More Keanu is the book. It looks gorgeous, it is gorgeous, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Congratulations, well done. Where did this book come from in your mind? (coughs) Well, thank you very much. Um, I think I should react to that in the way that Keanu Reeves would react, which is simply by saying, whoa, uh, but, <laughs> which sums up so much. I think whoa is where it all began, actually, which right. is Keanu's catchphrase. A lot of people take the mick out of him for saying whoa all the time. Yeah. But just in that simple phrase, there is so much wonder. There is so much awe. This is a guy who is in love with the magic of the world. And so that's really where the idea came from. If you look at a lot of interviews he does, if you look at a lot of stuff that's gone crazy about Keanu Reeves on the internet, on social media, um, it's all about him being the guru, him being the searcher, the seeker, this authentic, free spirit. Um, and that's what I wanted to explore, because I think surely we can all be a little bit more like that, can't we? Yeah, and for Wosi, wow. And wow could be an acronym of wisdom of wonder, couldn't it, I suppose? if you want to. That's very nice, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, <laughs> so, so in, a, in a sort of Zen-like way, laws of attraction and things yeah. like that, do you think he's attracted the kind of roles that extol the virtues of how he really is? Or has he become how he is because of the roles he's been blessed with? I think he's always been like that, actually. And because we think of him starting out in movies like Bill and Ted in the late 80s and think of him actually as just a bit of a dude and a bit stupid. Yeah. Uh, that was really doing him a disservice because he's always been quite a bohemian soul. Uh, and even when you watch Bill and Ted now, you know, I grew up watching that movie and you watch it and you laugh because it's silly. But you watch Bill and Ted now and you see Bill and Ted hanging out with Socrates, yeah. who's making these grand proclamations about life. And you think, Actually, you know what? What they're saying in this, Mm. be excellent to each other. That's a really important and grown up and admirable thing to to celebrate and to champion. So it's not as stupid and he's not as stupid as we might have first thought. And so what do you want the book to be? Is it like the Tao of Pooh, but, you know, uh, uh, similar to that, do you think? Yeah, I think if you're a movie fan, you want to read about Keanu Reeves. Of course, it's a celebration of him as a movie star and the movies he's been in, but also his life as well. But it is, you know, it is a self-help book. There are tips in there. Um, the what would Keanu do kind of tips that I think genuinely can help us because I think the, the things that he extols, the way that he lives his life, just the simple acts of kindness that he does, you know, they're very important things. And so, so for, for Bill and Ted, sorry, so yep. so, so it starts, did, did this begin with Bill and Ted or would you go, who's pre-Bill and Ted as far as this vibe well, I, is concerned? 
Well, I think Bill and Ted was was important for him when you look back now. I think when Bill and Ted came out, yeah. you know, we just thought it was another dumb teen movie. Yeah. We loved it and it was hugely successful. But now when you look at it in the context of Keanu Reeves' career, mm. you can see the early signs of him as someone who's just kind of delving a little bit here and there into mottos and, and philosophies that, like, be excellent to each other, of course. So, so, uh, so, so you... Bill and Ted, then Wayne's World, yes. Same kind of vibe, same oh, kind of uh, furrow. Oh, yeah, 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 I suppose so. And if you're t- before Bill and Ted, you know, those fast times at Richmond High where um, Sean Penn played Spicoli, who was another kind of stoner, slacker type. Yeah. But I think with Bill and both with Bill and Ted, with Bill and Ted as opposed to um, Sean Penn and as opposed to Wayne's World, there's actually an innocence there as well. There's a naivety. Um, that's why kids loved Bill and Ted so much. And there was a cartoon series of Bill and Ted because it played a little bit younger. There's a lack of cynicism uh, about them, which is so charming. And of course, there's a new one coming out in a few weeks' time. Well, let's talk about that because my kids haven't seen Bill and Ted. Um, and I can't wait to sit down and watch, watch Bill and Ted with them because that, that, that's going to be awesome. I mean, it's just it's yeah. going to be, it's gonna, but it is, isn't it? It's going to be excellent. It's going to be bodacious. Yeah, it's going to be all those things. Um, what, what's going on with, with the fourth Bill and Ted? It's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Now, uh, yeah, is yeah, it, yeah, it going to be one, yeah. is it, Sorry, so what's the, so is this the third one? There's not a fourth one. This is the third one. Yeah, he's doing, he's shooting the fourth Matrix, and then he'll shoot the fourth John Wick film. But the the next film to come out of the cinema is the third so uh, Bill the and third. Ted film. Okay, so there've been two yeah, and of course there's been there's been a few delays, obviously, as they have with lots of films over the summer. But it is coming out at the end of August. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Bill and Ted as middle aged men. I mean, you can't get away with it. They can't pretend to be teenagers anymore. Bill and Ted as middle aged fathers as well, which I think is going to open up a whole new avenue of possibility. Um, but, you know, it's Keanu would only do a film like this if he genuinely believes in the characters and genuinely believes in the message and the story. This is 30 odd years since the last Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. So the very fact that they've waited that long and they've invested so much time in it gives me confidence. I haven't seen it yet, but it gives me a lot of confidence that it's the movie we really want it to be. All right. Best guess, your best guess for best scenario for the for the movie industry in the next six months. Well, I think that people have just got to um, open their minds a little bit to new what new ways of showing films and new ways of producing films. And they're doing that because they're the very creative industry. Um, so that might mean films on the small screen as well as the big screen. It might mean old films being re-shown at cinemas, to try, which is happening now, to try and encourage people back. Let's go and see the old classics again. Let's go and see Dirty Dancing for the 20th time on the big screen. Yep. Um, and in terms of making films as well, you know, just to try and... Um, make films using social distancing and using the rules that we have so it's just going to be adapting but the film industry is known for being very adaptable so I think it's coping admirably well James always a joy to have you on the show I didn't realise it was the same James that we all used to have on the show a lot uh, writing this book well done pal thank you very much pleasure to speak to you and congratulations to whoever graphically designed the cover because it's awesome Oh, yeah, that's my friend Kate. Big out, shout out to Kate Holden there. She's a great illustrator. All right, mate. Well done. Congratulations. James King's Be More Keanu is out now, and it's a cracking little book. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you feel the need, the need to lead, then listen carefully to our next guest. She's the founder and CEO of Cultivating Leadership, who teaches powerful practices for the personal and the professional. So please welcome a brain absolutely rammed full of very useful information. It's the incredibly charming Jennifer Garvey-Berger. <laughs> Morning, Jen. 
Good morning. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> here we are together on the radio. What a treat. All right, Jennifer, <laughs> uh, let's get straight into it. What advice have you been gifting other people over the last few weeks that you could do well to follow yourself, which I know you don't sometimes? <laughs> what, a, what a great question. So I, I think the thing for right now when everything is so crazy is to really look at yourself with compassion and to slow things down because we are constantly trying to guess at what's going to be next and we are going to fail at that because who knows what's going to be next. So how do we breathe into that and, um, and be in today instead of thinking, oh, geez, what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, you are really big on this um, on this take on our collective need to know what's next culture. We've just got to drop that, haven't we? So, so how might we drop that if we're addicted? If we're looping back to that all the time, give us some some tips, some hacks on how to how to get rid of that noise. Well, first of all, it is to recognize that it is noise, right? That it, that this is a thing our brain does automatically. That our brain and our body is designed to predict so that we can control threats. And right now, we're dealing with threats that we cannot possibly control. And so to notice the noise in your own head and to do something that brings you back to this moment right now uh, and and to ease up about imagining that we could control things. I love what you say, uh, Jen. I love what you say anyway, but I love what you say, particularly with regards to stop clinging onto the leftovers of yesterday and focus on the seeds of today for tomorrow's growth. Tell us more about that, please. Well, the thing that we tend to do is we tend to project what's happened in the past into the future or we tend to project our worst fears into the future. Yeah. When actually the future is arriving right at this moment, right at this moment, there are things happening that you could nurture into a better tomorrow. Right in this moment, there are things happening that you want to weed out because you don't want that in your tomorrow. And if we paid more attention to today and what's going on wide around in our system, we would be able to coax ourselves into a better place. Yeah, so don't wait for tomorrow. Sow the seeds for your own tomorrow. And whilst you're doing that, of course, that's a great distraction from projecting the worst of yesterday onto the potentially the best of tomorrow as well. That, that's exactly right. And, it, and it's, it's incredibly helpful if we want to make a change in our lives. The seeds for that change are already here. Yeah. Right? We are already able to develop from what's going on today a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, instead of many people think, oh, I need to change everything radically, and then we get stuck and we do nothing. Do us a favor, Jen. Just tell everybody what you do for a living. Describe what it is you do for a living, and then tell me how you came to, to do this for a job. I'm an executive coach. I run leadership programs. I run a leadership firm. I write about leadership. Uh, how did I come to do it? Because I find people endlessly interesting. And I find it incredibly useful to think about kind of the big ideas in psychology and complexity theory and to translate them into practical things that people can do that make their lives better. How is your planner's mind coping? <laughs> because I know you have a planner's mind, uh, but you can't plan anything. You were supposed to be on tour, weren't you, in July, talking gigs and things like that in, in August? Oh, my goodness. I've had more things cancelled and I've been in one place for longer than I've been in for decades, right? I know. Um, yeah, it's, it is astonishing. And it's actually kind of liberating in a way to just know that you can't know what's going to be next. I've, I've 
freed up a whole lot of time that I used to spend organizing and planning and trying to get my diary to work exactly right to stop here and then to stop there. And the, I don't do any of that anymore. I just say, <laughs> I don't know what November is going to look like. When Maybe did... I'll be able to do that. Nobody wanted COVID-19. Nobody wants COVID-19. And we'd like to see the back of it immediately, if not before. But you know, there are great lessons in this, aren't there? Oh, there are extraordinary lessons right now. And one of the things complexity teaches us is that you cannot know whether something that looks awful in your life right now is going to turn out to be something you look back on with gratitude. We just can't know. And so I think we're all watching that right now. So how is today going to translate into a better future? <laughs> if people want to benefit more from your wisdom, where do they go? How can they find you? What can they read? What can they watch? What can they listen to? I have a couple of books. Uh, the most recent one is Unlocking Leadership Mind Traps. Mm -hmm. And that one is a quick and accessible way to figure out how to get out of your own way. Uh, we have a website, cultivatingleadership.com. And there are a heap of videos, blogs from me and my spectacular colleagues around the world. <laughs> Okay. Economics is a metric that can be measured and it can be um, it can be promoted and it can be philosophized and it can be obsessed over. Do you think, I mean, it doesn't make any sense now, does it? You know, we're still obsessed with growing the economy. We've got to get back to work. We've got to, but people have, a lot of people have never been happier. And so, so governments around the world are screaming to people, get back to work. You've got to get things restarted again. But people are going, well, why? Because we've, you know, no, you, you don't get it. Is this, a, is this a, a seismic shift? Do you think? I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's a, a time for us to be able to take care of those who really don't have the resources to live happy lives. You need a certain amount of money. And then to let all the top end grabbing for more and more and more stuff, more money, more houses, more clothes, like all that stuff, which does not contribute to purpose, meaning, and connection. If we could let some of that go, I think people would be shocked at how delighted they were with themselves yeah. and with their lives. What a wonderful way to leave it. Uh, Jennifer, I don't know you. This is the first time I've talked to you. I hope it's not the last. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to talk. <laughs> You're very welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. It's merely the human body facilitating a gas exchange with the internal environment. But if you do it right, it can change your life. Joining us now is the brains and lungs behind the brilliant breath pod. So please welcome the best of the best when it comes to your breath. It's Stuart Sanderman. Good morning, Stu. <laughs> Good morning, Chris. Right now, he's well, only... What an introduction. I know, he's very good at those, isn't he? Um, and so uh, you're only around the corner, uh, but you do work for the likes of uh, Google, all the big boys. Who else have you worked for? Yeah, we've well, worked for a lot, a lot of different corporate businesses, but worked with a lot of athletes as well, Olympic athletes, UFC fighters, um, any, anybody with a set of lungs. All right, so Google, Nike, uh, Luis Capaldi, that uh, must have been interesting. Uh, right, so uh, this is all because, uh, again, you know, we talked to an osteopath yesterday who, who had trouble as a, as a youngster. Our osteopaths became her heroes, uh, not necessarily to my uh, sports physio who broke her back when she was a little girl riding a horse, so she, she was helped by someone she wanted to help them. Uh, a similar story, um, as far as you're concerned, to do with your ex-partner. Well, you're, you're now your partner who's no longer with us, sadly, your late partner. Yeah, absolutely. It was the last thing I thought I would be doing was teaching people to breathe, mm. but it was it was through the grieving process of of losing my girlfriend to cancer right. um, that I I found my breath or I found breathing as a as a real crux as a as a tool to support me through grief. 
Right, so um, we're on the fast track as, as far as this conversation is concerned. Um, where, how, 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 so what did you do next? Um, what did you learn? And now what, do, what can you teach us and how do you do that? Off you go. Yeah, well, well through life experience, we, we create holding patterns in our body. We create tension in our body and we create tension in our breath, which is what happened to me through that grieving process. And in essence, held my breath so my breathing pattern had changed. And I think all of us go through life these various experiences that we have and, and our breath pattern changes in, in flow and demand to whatever's around us. And um, we start creating tension in our body, the stress, the traumas, these different types of things. And, and what we can do is start releasing that by, by breathing a little bit differently. Yeah, what happens in your sessions then? Give us a, a typical session. And there, there isn't such thing as a typical session, but the, because everybody's kind of coming to the table with, with their different ailments or, or issues in, in essence I'll check somebody's breathing see how they, see how their their breath is flowing mm. and then understand what has maybe happened from a breath perspective right. that's triggered it to be dysfunctional yes and in essence try and get back to this real functional pattern which I know you were talking about a lot last week which I was excited to hear um, how, how do we get back to this real functional piece of diaphragmatic breathing in and out through our nose and what interventions do we have to step in with to correct any of those patterns and that might be physical or it might be mental or emotional or it might be due to the trauma that people have had in their past where we have this release of the breath which releases emotion so it's often quite a powerful session for people um often a release a physical release of tension but also comes with a uh an emotional release maybe tears maybe laughter maybe maybe a bit of both um but it's quite, so it's quite a cathartic experience. Yeah. But what happens is people move forward with a lot more joy, a lot more peace, clarity, um, energy, uh, all these things that we, we hope to have in our life that seem to happen quite readily by, by working with our breathing. See, when you put it like that, ju- just the sound, of, just you describing it makes me smile inside. It makes me feel slightly uh, tearful just listening to, to, to what you're saying because I completely get it. So, um, you, like you say, there's no, there's no sort of typical case, but there are common uh, requirements, I would imagine, and uh, common methods. So what, what would be the most, what would be the, the, the sort of foundation um Thing that you could a takeaway for people listening this morning give, give us like two or three minutes that people can go and try out now if you don't mind yeah well absolutely. in terms of trying something out now it's the thing with our breath is our breath is a very physical thing but it's also linked to how we feel so when we're feeling a little bit stressed or anxious or maybe um triggered we're overwhelmed it's going a lot <laughs> with everything that's happened this year i think we're all in that state in, in some degree so the, the tip that i usually go by is if in doubt breathe it out and what I mean by that is just doubling our exhale to our inhale length. So having a in-breath for five seconds and then breathing out for 10 seconds. Yeah. And what, what that does is it actually it activates our rest response in our body. So our, our nervous system moves to what we call the parasympathetic state, the, the rest, digest, repair mode. Um, simply by breathing longer on our exhale, we're slowing things down. Yeah. So if we're feeling stressed or you can't get to sleep at night or you're feeling maybe a bit overwhelmed or angry or frustrated. These are all quite common things that people experience throughout their day. The, the tip that I go by is, if in doubt, breathe it out. So we can give it a go if you like. 
Well, first of all, I love it. Um, I, I was doing it while you were saying it there, so is Vass, mm. so is Rachel. <laughs> but that's the opposite of what we've been told for years as kids. You know, when you when you panic and you, I can hear my mum said to me, take a deep breath, come on now, take a deep breath. It's not it's about taking a deep breath. It's about maybe taking two two smaller inhales, but a long exhale. It's about it's about taking a long out breath, isn't it? It's the opposite of that. Yeah, it's, it's slowing down your out breath. I think take a deep breath is, is still very valid because in that, that in that moment of taking a deep breath, you're using your diaphragm hopefully you're you're still going to activate the the rest response yeah um but it's it tends to be about this longer exhale um because we're really playing with the 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 levels of carbon dioxide and oxygen and anytime we're playing with our breath that's ultimately what we're we're, we're switching and once we can understand this a little bit better we we've, we have a lot more control in our day so um as as things happen in our day we have these tools right under our nose Right with us at any point that we can use to to shift and, and and make us feel a little bit better, maybe a little bit more energised if we're feeling tired or a little bit calmer if we're feeling stressed. Do us a favour, stay in touch. Let's do something together, shall we, in the physical world out there when we can, as soon as we yes, can. Yes, I'd love that. I'd love that. All right, pal. I'd love that. All right, once again, you've got to get Stu All in right. your life. You're very welcome, Stu. Thanks, pal. Uh, right, breathpod.me is where you need to go. Go there now, breathpod.me uh, via Zoom or at breathpod on Instagram or breathpod or Stuart Sunderman. Just get involved. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.